On this week's NFC SD Reality Check, we'll talk with PlumGrid about the OpenStack ecosystem and Overture on NFC collaboration and business models. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Comscope, thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Thanks for joining us on this week's NFBSD Reality Check. I'm your host, Dan Meyer, Dan, Dan Meyer Editor-in-Chief of RCR Wireless News. Well, uh, this week we're going to talk a bit about the OpenStack ecosystem. Obviously, uh, when it comes to virtualization across the telecom space, uh, OpenStack is one of the new uh, buzzwords that's been generating a lot of uh, interest and uh, a lot of, lot of developments, uh, especially with telecom operators. OpenStack has obviously has been a, a piece of the data center and IT space for quite some time. But for telecom operators, OpenStack might be a new product or, or new, uh, new, a new platform for them to work with. Joining me today to talk about the OpenStack ecosystem is Azmir Mohammed, who is the head of product management at cloud infrastructure provider PlumGrid to discuss the role of OpenStack in the telecom space. Hey, Azmir, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Hi, Dan. Love, Great. Uh, love being here. Good deal. Well, great. Well, now maybe I guess I knew you guys recently introduced a new platform, uh, the Open Networking Suite 3.0, which I think taps into OpenStack, the OpenStack community. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, about that platform and also maybe how it pertains to uh, the, the telecom space? Absolutely. So um, Open Networking Suite is our flagship product. Mm -hmm. It's a software-only, uh, software-defined networking suite, uh, solves a lot of networking problems within OpenStack for telcos and also for enterprises. Um, uh, ONS 3.0 is our latest release. It's uh, compatible with uh, the Juno release and also Kilo, which is mm -hmm. the latest OpenStack release that uh, shipped last week. So we're very excited about it. Um, lots of interesting features in there uh, to solve uh, various uh, types of uh, issues. And you know, the, the one thing that we always see relative to networking is this transition from um, physical hardware Yep. the cloud and as you transition that uh, what you want to do is move a lot of the functions that you physically had you know in, in devices into software so that's what we're that's the vision we're realizing here within OpenStack and really trying to engage a, a variety of different uh, customers and also a variety of different use cases and in ONS is the way for us to, to get so very exciting yeah, yeah definitely got it, got it no obviously now the OpenStack uh, platform itself I mean it's been around for, for a little bit of time I know a lot of Vendors have definitely invested in it. It, it seems to be a basis of a, for a lot of movements going forward. I guess, you know, how does OpenStack really pertain or how does it, I guess, interact maybe in the telecom space? I mean, obviously I know it does a lot in, in the back, back end of it, but for telecom operators, what's, you know, I, as you view it, what's kind of the main advantage of OpenStack uh, for telecom operators who are looking to go this virtualization route? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, you know, just a little bit of a history lesson. OpenStack, I believe just celebrated its, um, it's gonna celebrate its fifth anniversary. Yep. So it's relatively relatively new in terms of a project, but it's gaining uh, so much momentum in, in that five years. The early adopters of OpenStack were actually tel uh, telcos. Okay. Uh, reason for that it was it was open source, so there was no cost related to it. It was extremely open in terms of APIs, so so anybody could go in and really develop on top of it, and and you could contribute to it, right? So it was as much as you could pull. You know, it uses a Apache license as much as you can pull in from. You can also contribute back, and mm -hmm. you, there's a there's a website that tracks all the different contributors to OpenStack. And you'll be able to see by company, by developer. So it's really you know very community uh, driven. Um, it's also modern. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything is written in a modern architecture, uh, modern languages. So I feel that anything anybody who's sort of building out for the future, definitely OpenStack became sort of the de facto option uh, for you. Um, the initial use cases were sort of all over the map. Uh, uh -huh. 
uh, enterprises uh, using uh, for, for uh, uh, test app workloads, running their SaaS applications. And then you also saw uh, telcos uh, tra transitioning themselves, transforming themselves, if you will, from this old world of delivering everything using physical infrastructure, using software, and they could get radically different uh, cost points as a result. And, uh, and I, but, but it wasn't really a key focus within the community mm -hmm. uh, until uh, OpenStack actually created a, um, a telco working group uh, recently. And that really provides a lot of focus, really uh, brought in a lot of the thought leaders in the community together and really tried to put a cohesive um, uh, you know, uh, requirement list, if you will, yep. within OpenStack to drive the agenda forward. So I think the, the good news is, I think uh, the baseline uh, capabilities of OpenStack is, is very, very good, very, very strong, very mature. Mm -hmm. And right now what's happening in the last six months or so is by for formation of this telco working group, we do have significant focus to really take it to the next level. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think some, some of the big names in OpenStack really are actually telcos, yes. uh, mm -hmm. right? And so we see their lead after there, but I think they have to do a lot by themselves to really like put, put, put a, lot of, uh, a lot of sweat equity there. But I think now we're transitioning to the point where really it is about, hey, we've got these sort of use cases, we need these fundamental um, capabilities, let me drive that for us. I think, you know, this, in summary, extremely important for the telco community. Yeah. I think right now with the, with the focus, you can sort of see that uh, uh, the, the feature velocity and the progress with the community to, to really ex uh, accelerate here in the next, uh, next couple of quarters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I, I just recently did a, kind of a longer story looking at service orchestration and obviously OpenStack was a big part of that. I know a lot of companies I talked to uh, talked about the fact that OpenStack is kind of almost a core to that, that aspect as well, trying to you know, integrate the legacy systems with the new systems that are out there and obviously integrating it all with their OSSPS systems and everything. And so obviously, yeah, like you said, OpenStack is a big part of this community. Uh, and it seems like, like you said, going more and more forward, it's, it's becoming a bigger part of it too, so. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was at a, um, a, 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 a summit last yeah. week, all week, and there were a bunch of vendors, uh, some key players in the industry there. And we talked about all the different layers, right? So I'm, um, uh, PlumGrid is a uh, virtual networking company. Yep. So we had this little box that we sat in relative to the overall architecture, but there were other companies that were, that were bringing OSS and VSS to the table. Um, so we brought everything, but every but what unified all of us was definitely OpenStack. Mm -hmm. there was, there's no, you know, there's really, there was no debate in the room around what we're going to build around, yeah. right? It was, it was, okay, how do we take it back to the telco work group? How do we work together to really drive the agenda forward? Because I think um, there's this explosion of open is going to happen when there's a standardized reference architecture, when there's you know well-known APIs, well this you know the, these feature gaps are gone. I think at that point you'll you'll, you'll definitely see it. Um, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. I guess how important is the open source aspect of this too? Because I mean, obviously you know it seems telecom operators traditionally like to have a, a multi-vendor environment out there. They like to be able to plug and play things if they can. Uh, but also in the telecom space, there's been a history of kind of proprietary systems too, which you know, always tend to, tend to creep in. People always want to get their little, the little piece of the, uh, you know, the, the, the pie there, I guess is the right word for it. But uh, I guess how important has it been for this to really remain open source? And is that something that you think will, will continue to happen? I mean, obviously I know there are different, it seems like people are taking parts of OpenStack and then adding their own little spice to it and maybe making it slightly proprietary. Um, does it seem like OpenStack is going to be one of those things that needs to be open source and do you see it continue to be like an open source type of, of platform going forward? Yeah, yeah. So um, that, you know, that's a really good question. Let me just try to divide it into different okay. parts. So I think there's definitely the licensing of OpenStack. Yeah. Uh, that's Apache license. That's open source. Uh, obviously, their their repositories are open. So anybody yeah. can go in and, and pull and, and more importantly, contribute back. 
um, I think what, probably most important is the fact that it is an open ecosystem. Okay. Um, you know, so like Plumgate as an example, you know, we we contribute our plugins up, upstream. We spend a significant amount of time in the uh, in the community collaborating, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't come here and build something special and then throw it over a wall, right? I do work <laughs> with the community because the community actually won't accept if you don't play by the rules. Um, I think that's goodness for everybody. I think that that openness, that open ecosystem approach, I think will bode well for the telco community because indeed to your, to your point, it is multi-vendor by definition, right? Um, and they don't want to, you know, they don't want, they don't want to be locked in, nor do they want to be in a position where vendors are fighting with each other. I think open, uh, open stack and the way that is structured allows all these vendors to sort of come in uh, agree on a, a well-defined uh, interface and protocol, mm -hmm. and then deliver on a well-defined cadence. So, you know, OpenStack delivers on every on a six-month basis. Um, there's enough flexibility and whatnot. And I know that in the, in the, in the summit um, later on uh, this month, yep. there'll be a lot more changes there. So, so I, I, it is it is it is important. But I don't think it, it's just open source. I think it's the broader definition of open around APIs, the ecosystem, and whatnot. That I think really pulls, you know, really provides a benefit for the uh, for the telcos. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. And then, and I think I think the and then and, and you know, telcos have a big uh, a development organization. They want to build on top of stuff, right? Obviously, they want to put their value add in there. And you can, you can absolutely do it. But you can also maintain uh, a, a high degree of compatibility when you do that. Mm -hmm. You're still talking to well-known APIs. Um, and uh, and I think that's important, as you as you know now. There, you know, the, the cloud is not one vendor, right? The cloud is the cloud's it, everywhere, right? And so I think some amount of interoperability, uh, machine mobility, uh, some agreed upon SLAs. I think those are important for us to really go to the next the next wave here in terms of what we could uh, deliver for the telcos and for for the customers of the telcos. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And it's been great to kind of again talk to all the different companies that are involved in this. And it does seem like, like you're saying, it's a very collaborative effort at this point. I mean, people are still, you know, it, it, there's so much potential for this here, and it still seems like people are still willing to share, you know, you know, stuff that perhaps 10 years from now maybe they won't be able to share, or something will have. Who knows? But at least it seems like right now, at least everybody's very, very collaborative, and everybody's working together. You know, it's a lot of guys who are putting a lot of work into this, so it does seem like it's a very uh, Again, collaborative type of effort at this point, at least. Yeah, uh, you know, so I think um, so. D definitely. So the way I see it, definitely, it, it um, you know, OpenStack started by two companies, effectively giving away their code. Right? Sure, sure. Um, it was an asset and rack based, uh, you know, and everybody can read up on that. So yeah. I think it's sort of the genesis of it is like that, and I think everybody that's joined has taken on that, that that approach. I also do think that this is the new way of doing business. Yeah. Right. Twenty uh, first century. Uh, people aren't. People have a lot of options. Uh, you and I can find out about technology by a click of a button on our web browser. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think for a company to be successful in this new business paradigm, you do have to be collaborative. You do have to be more transparent. Um, I, and I think uh, companies, uh, you know, and Plumgate definitely, I would put in that category where we are doing our, our our part in the community. But at the same time, we are innovating by ourselves and trying to differentiate our technology from anybody else. And OpenStack does allow us to go do that. And I think that's that's very good, right? For us, yeah. in order to be able to, for a customer to see our differentiation while at the same time be part of this open ecosystem, I think this is something that's going to be a win-win for customers and, and for telcos, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, definitely, definitely. Makes sense, makes sense. Well, I guess maybe, I, I mean, a final wrap-up question on this then. Uh, I guess looking ahead a little bit, I mean, what sort of challenges do you see perhaps for the community going forward? I mean, as you guys look at what you guys are trying to bring to market and what you're seeing out there, I mean, do you see any specific challenges ahead, especially as it comes to, 
you know, how telcos are going to start rolling these things out or, or again, enhancing their, their services using, using OpenStack? What, what do you see out there as maybe being maybe a big challenge or two out there? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd probably break it up into a couple of different buckets. I think from a, um, from a technology standpoint, you know, as I said earlier, OpenStack revs on a six-month basis. Yeah. It's very rapid for a telco, right? You know, as you can imagine, some of these projects are multi-year. And so if you've got a, your underlying software changing every six months, it makes it very difficult for you to innovate and, and lock down a design. So I think that's something that is a, hopefully the NFT telco um, working group can, can help us solve, right? Some way to have a delicate balance. I think we don't want to throw innovation out, yeah. uh, but at the same time, uh, we want to go, we want to go ahead and, and, and have some stability in the code base. I think from a business standpoint, you brought it up here around open source, it's going to be, okay, how, how do we engage as community with, with, uh, you know, a telco, telco being a customer, right? Yeah. So there's going to be a mix. There's going to be an open ecosystem. How do how do they manage? You know, do, do how do they deal with this ecosystem? Is it five different vendors? Is it one vendor? Is it an accepted SLA? Uh, so I think all those things we have to we have to address. And I think the final final thing is definitely um, reference customer. And I think that the open source uh, open stack has really been spending a lot of time really showing that look, this is not just uh, a a um, a silo of, of vendors just talking about the technology with no meaningful results. I think we're really sharing success stories around what, what's there and really building reference architectures off of it to really allow people not to start from scratch, but to start a few phases down the, down the road where they can leverage work that's been done and be able to drive sort of their own innovation beyond that. So take a baseline that's good and then move forward. So for me, at least being in OpenStack for three plus years now, it's really um, encouraging that we're mm -hmm. making a lot of calls seems like we're converging as an ecosystem and um you know but but again we still have definitely we still have challenges ahead of us but there seems to be a, a desire to solve them within the community which is great news yeah yeah well that first one you brought up you know just the fact that for, for telecom operators who traditionally work in multi-year uh, plans you're right i mean this the whole virtualization move itself is just such a rapid type of thing i mean uh, i think for operators that's probably that's a, that's a big part i'm sure it's keeping a lot of their uh, uh, you know, CTOs and everybody up, up at night because again, they're having to adjust pretty rapidly to what's happening out there. I mean, I know some of them have announced, you know, at and has announced their domain projects and Verizon recently announced their, their plans too. So, I mean, they're trying to get into it, but uh, that's a great point because that is going to be a big change for what are traditionally very conservative companies who have spent, you know, all this money on their equipment and tend to kind of go in 10 year cycles. Uh, yeah, now it's uh, it's every six months, boom, 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 something's happening. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I spoke to somebody uh, you know, at, this, at, this, at the summit yeah. and the discussion was less about technology. I think there's definitely general, you know, people have embraced the fact that it is running at a rapid, uh, rapid pace. It's the, it's the human engineering, if you will, the social <laughs> engineering of their workforce that have been doing things the same way for, for a long time. That will, take a, that will take a much longer thing. But again, it's, I think it's, it's, there's competition out there and the yeah. competition are disruptors. They're not other telcos. They're you know, they're Amazon or Google. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think uh, definitely is one of these things where you have to evolve or, you know, you, you won't be a, a key player going forward. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Well, hey, great. As Mayor Dave, we definitely appreciate the great insight on that today. Obviously, this is a topic that uh, I'm sure we'll probably catch up on again here going, going forward. Obviously, it's, it's, it's ever evolving. It's a rapid changing uh, market right now. So hopefully we can catch up again on the topic. But uh, we definitely appreciate the time today and the insight on the, on the information. Thanks again for the time. Okay. Thanks, Dan. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. Well, I guess keeping on the virtualization space, obviously uh, NFV is a big part of this move towards virtualization for telecom operators. And right now we're seeing a lot of the proof of concepts, POCs out there. Uh, and these are obviously important parts of the move towards virtualization. Operators want to find out you know, how these things are working in the networks, uh, hopefully a loaded network, but they're trying to see how these uh, technologies are able to interact with what they already have deployed out there. 
but there's still questions that remain about, you know, I guess the, the business model for virtualization, as well as the collaboration models for this as well. Uh, I recently spoke with Brian Irish, who's the director of marketing at Overture, uh, about the company's view on those topics. First, I asked Brian about the importance of collaboration efforts underway uh, across the NFT space in terms of gaining uh, experience in NFT. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, at that collaboration clip, please. Interesting perspective. I think it depends on where you're coming from at Overture and with our Harmony program specifically. It's probably different than most people. And, and what I mean is we're actually, all of our collaborative efforts are based on real world customer POCs that we're currently engaged in. So, you know, but in the scale of things, we're still, you know, a smaller company. We don't have as many resources as, as some of the companies involved in this. So we have to be selective. And any any company could say that, right? I mean, we're all resource constrained and, uh, you know, budgets are tighter than they've ever been. Um, so there's a lot of joint efforts and there's theoretical efforts, I would say, being done in the industry. And, and those are all important. But for where we're at as a company and where we see the real value is, it is that customer-driven engagement that is really driving the efforts that we're putting forth. And so, you know, we use the term, this is real-world NFE. This is stuff that we're not, we can't afford to be in the science experiment business. So the companies that we're doing a lot of business with and, and the companies that we're spending a lot of time with on the VNF onboarding and everything else is generally based on customer demand. And so we're having to be selective uh, on where we can spend our time and resources, which is a great problem to have, right? We're not trying to drum up business as much as we are trying to help service the ones that we have in the, in the, uh, in the house now. So um, it's just, it is, it's still new. It's still a nascent technology where there's no defined performance parameters or deployment scenarios or even use cases. I was on a call this morning with another major vendor in the industry and we're all looking for the same thing. So I think this is where that harmony program and the collaboration, I can tell you the collaboration that we're doing is real. It is for customer deployments. So uh, from our perspective, that's where we come at it from. Brian also provided insight into questions surrounding the business case model behind the move to NFV. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, business case clip, please. For us and from our perspective, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the unknown around NFV, NFV performance yeah. and not knowing what to be able to expect. So not really being able to quantify that business case up the chain, if you will. So what we've actually done is, is this uh, benchmark performance testing, if you will, that we're involved in right now. I believe that's going to be one in a series and, and the next series being application specific testing. So whatever customer use case that we're actually uh, involved in to actually be able to test that performance with specific metrics that will then allow that. It's interesting because one of our customers, a, a tier one in the US that we've been engaged with in a, on a regular basis uh, has a really interesting use case that applies to all carriers that we know of uh, to be able to take one box and deliver basically a, a retail store in a box, if you were, will, where they can consolidate hardware, so, you know, basically be able to provide remote diagnostics, troubleshooting, new service turn up, service upgrades. Uh, it is the traditional cost savings that we would think of from the carrier. Mm -hmm. More importantly, it's actually the customers that are driving that, meaning what they're looking for is quick and easy solutions when they have troubles. So if you're a major retail chain and you have a technology issue and you have to wait to get that solved, 
there's real revenue impact there. Well, imagine now if you can call and within minutes now, you've got a technician on the phone who is diagnosing your problem, can turn up new service, can fix your problem, whatever that may be. That's just not currently available today. And it's, it's using NFV to solve a real business problem, not necessarily using NFV for the sake of using NFV, if you will. For more on the interview with Brian Irish from Overture, uh, you can check out the uh, RCR TV site. Uh, Brian also talks a bit about the service orchestration aspect of the market right now, too. And I guess uh, tying in with service orchestration as well, maybe a little plug. Uh, we recently uh, uh, re released a report on service orchestration as well as a webinar. So you can go to the RCR TV site and check out both the webinar replay and the RCR site and check out the, uh, the service orchestration report that we have on there. You can download those uh, from our website. So, uh, well, that'll do it for this week's NFESD and Reality Check. I want to again thank uh, my guests, Amir Azmir Mohammed and uh, Brian Irish for their great insights and uh, a, programming, a programming note. I will be off next week, but I will be back with a new episode of NFBS in Reality Check on, uh, on May 22nd. So again, thanks for watching. NFVSDN Reality Check with Dan Meyer is a production of RCR-TV. To suggest show topics or to reach Dan, you can find him on email dmeyer at rcrwireless.com and on Twitter at Meyer underscore Dan. For more Dan, news on NFVSDN and everything wireless, find your way over to rcrwireless.com.